This is Viewpoint with attorney and... This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Dr. Peter McCullough was warning Americans of the biggest health public crisis that he can imagine. In an interview, the famous doctor, Peter McCullough, charged that media and government censorship related to COVID-19 treatments have caused untold harm, contributing to many deaths. According to the interviewer, what he said was incredibly important. Censorship that has suppressed for two years information on safe, and effective early treatment and censorship on vaccine safety has led to large numbers of deaths, hospitalizations, and permanent disability, said the doctor. There is no bigger public health crisis than the impact of censorship in COVID-19. Think about that statement. There is no bigger health crisis than the impact of censorship on COVID-19. Why won't they let the vaccine injured people tell their stories? Why won't they do that? Why have they suspended the account of Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin in early November after he posted video of a roundtable event with a panel of medical experts and vaccine injured people discussing vaccine mandates? Once again, Big Tent Big Tech is censoring the truth, said Senator Johnson. Why won't they let the vaccine injured tell their stories and medical experts give a second opinion? Why can't we discuss the harmful effects of mandates? Question. What is a conspiracy? What is a conspiracy? Is this a conspiracy? that is combining people together or groups or government agencies or whatever, combining them together for whatever purpose they may have to prevent proper medical treatment, to prevent alternative medical treatment that has apparently very good results? Why is it that famous doctors now are risking their reputations to come out? Are they conspiring together against legitimate government, against uh, Dr. Fauci and against the CDC and against uh, Pfizer and J&J and Moderna? Is there a conspiracy here? And what's the difference between censorship, a conspiracy, or those who confederate together, or those who collude together? Or how about those who connive together? Do those words all mean the same thing? Or do they each work somewhat in concert 
to present an understanding to all of us of what really is taking place. And if you say, as we just suggested here on the program, that those things really are taking place, have you then become part of a conspiracy theory? And what is a conspiracy theory anyway? Today on Viewpoint, we're going to delve into this area. Uh, It may be an exercise in vocabulary. It may be uh, an exercise for some in, uh, you know, parsing the words and, uh, uh, you know, carving up with a scalpel some of the meanings of the words. But I think it's important for us to understand or at least have a conversation concerning these things because our lack of understanding concerning these things is actually contributing to more and more disharmony and distrust in our country. And disharmony and distrust also lay the foundation for chaos and even potential violence. When the legitimate forms of government do not perform their task legitimately, when the legitimate arms of medicine have ulterior motives as to why they're going to do something or not allow something else, what does that do for the trust of the people? What does that do for the trust of our institutions? You see, when we talk about such words as conniving and conspiring and confederating and colluding, and uh, censorship and so on, what we're really talking about in the long range is trust. Trust is very hard to build. But once it is lost, it is almost impossible to regain. And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to rush in where angels fear to tread in discussing this uh, this very, very difficult subject. So what does it mean to conspire? Have you ever thought about that? Perhaps you have a feeling about what that is, but is that really what the word conspire means? Well, here's a dictionary definition. To conspire means to make secret plans jointly to commit an unlawful or harmful act. Not just an unlawful act, but maybe a harmful act. Well, let me ask you a question. Would preventing information, testimony information, from famous doctors who don't have a stake, a financial stake in the production of certain medicines like Pfizer and uh, J&J and Moderna and so on, AstraZeneca, would those people who are being prevented from giving that kind of testimony information, would they be conspiring against the medical profession or would the medical profession and or others with them be conspiring against those doctors? that is, the doctors who are seeking to bring forth the information. Who's conspiring anyway? 
Who's making the secret plans? Well, when Dr. McCullough comes out very boldly, obviously that's not very secret. It's bold. When the founder of the Moderna, the mRNA rather, the mRNA uh, application that has been used in these various jabs, not vaccines, but jabs, came out and has repeatedly warned the world not to rush into it because of the severe dangers. Was he conspiring against someone? Was he confederating against someone? Was he colluding? No. Those who are opposing him may very well be conspiring or conniving or colluding, but it doesn't appear that he is. He has much to lose personally, but not corporately. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to talk a look at some of these things and in the second half of the program, conduct a very interesting interview. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Was there a conspiracy on January 6th by Donald Trump or anyone else on his behalf or in his staff to control the government, to take over the government of the United States illegitimately, to perform a revolution, an insurrection? Well, that's been contended. There are hearings going on purportedly, legitimately, by the U.S. Congress making that kind of allegation. But is it true? Or are they actually conducting a collusive investigation that really is nothing more than a conspiracy theory to try to advance their hatred for Donald Trump? Who is involved in the conspiracy here? Who are conniving? Who are confederating together for negativity, for harm, or unlawfulness? You see, you and I are being called upon increasingly now to realize how nefarious the motivations and deeds of people are, including those who are purportedly acting on our behalf. You and I, as professing Christians, are called to a level of discernment that is very rare these days. Certainly, we don't want to jump on conspiracy theories. We don't want to be lured into uh, this, that, or the other concept or idea that uh, negatively affects other people or governmental institutions or the medical profession, anything like that, do we? We don't want to jump on those kinds of bandwagons. But neither do we want to be absorbed by false representations under color of law or under color of authority or legitimacy or institutionalism that themselves are false and are 
and have ulterior motives, that is, secondary motives other than what appears on the surface in their contentions. Conspiracy. A secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. Unlawful or harmful. A conspirator, a person who takes part in a conspiracy. I trust that neither you nor I or any of us listening to this program are involved in any kind of conspiracies or unlawful confederations or conniving together. The word connive itself does not have a very good feeling about it, does it? It doesn't have a reputation that seems honest and true and just. And to conspire together, my goodness, that word certainly has a very negative connotation, doesn't it? But how about the word collude? They colluded together. That itself doesn't have a very good sense about it, does it? All of these words seem to imply in in their very use something that is not respectable, either illegal or not respectable, something that we don't want to be involved in. I went on the Internet to ask a question, for instance, what's the difference between collude and conspire? Collude is to act in concert with. To conspire, while conspire is to secretly plot or make plans together, often using uh, used regarding something bad or illegal. So the colluding is the act to act in concert. But then the conspiring is the secret plot to do something bad or illegal. So actually, you can collude to conspire. You can conspire to collude. And everybody has their respective reasons why they would do it. Here is a statement in a legal case. It was a uh, a pleading in the court, and here is the language. Willfully and knowingly did combine, conspire, confederate, and agree together to commit offenses. Willfully, knowingly did combine, that's colluding, conspire, confederate, and agree together. Sounds like that's tying them all together nicely, doesn't it? Conniving, conspiring, confederating, colluding. But where does censorship fit in all of that? Well, why would somebody censor something? Think about it. Why would somebody censor something? Well, you might want to censor it. You might want to censor porn, for instance, because it has such a bad effect upon the society. Then you run afoul of free speech allegations according to the Constitution. But there's a reason why you would restrict porn. But how about restricting knowledge about, say, medical treatments that are used in other countries or have been used for dozens of years successfully without hardly 
any kind of negative responses. Why would you want to censor that kind of information? Why would you want to pre, uh, prevent it from coming out into the public? Why would you do that? You see, we have to ask the question, why? Now, you may think, well, this is just so much uh, poppycock, so much uh, dealing in trivia with the meaning of words. Oh, words mean something, friends. They mean so much that God said he elevated his word above even his own name. But we don't do that so much these days, do we? It used to be that our word was our bond. When our word was our bond, we had a much higher level of trust in the society, didn't we? But as our words began to gradually fail in terms of being our bond, then we lost trust and have continually lost trust in the society. So much so that about 15 years ago, as I was traveling across the country, stopped over in uh, an airport and saw the USA Today cover, and I was shocked. Here in three-inch high letters across the front page of the newspaper was the word trust in green, massive green letters. You don't normally find that in a newspaper, do you? The whole purpose of the article was to focus on how we are losing trust in our institutions in this country. Well, that was about 15 years ago. We're also losing our trust in God. Why? Because we play games with his word. We do. We play games with his word. We rationalize. We, uh, uh, in fact, we almost conspire and confederate together in a sense. I'm using it a little stretching sense here. In a sense, in order to communicate an idea about what God has said or not said that's pleasing to us that we want to agree with. So we have denominations or we have groups of people institutionally across the country who will take a position with regard to an issue, say, like divorce or like remarriage after divorce. And regardless of what the Bible says specifically, they will agree to disagree in concert. Pastors, parachurch leaders will agree in concert. It's almost like they're infected with some sort of anti-biblical social media. And so they'll come to conclusions with regard to what God has said clearly in his word that is contrary. How did they do that? Well, certainly they didn't just meet, most of them didn't just meet together to confederate. Sometimes they do. But over time, the spirit of the people has the effect of confederating together to deny truth in order to embrace something that seems more acceptable or marketable. Now, most people would not make that kind of application with regard to these words. The reason is most people don't think spiritually, even on so-called Christian programs. 
most of the time, they're talking about secular ideas from largely a secular viewpoint using definitions that, well, remain within that realm. But here on this program, we feel it necessary not only to use the definitions within that secular context, but also to see them more broadly within the spiritual context. So, have you ever been involved, conspired together with someone for something negative towards someone else? Don't answer too quickly. There is almost a sense in which gossip itself is a form of, uh, well, almost a, a, a strange kind of conspiracy to destroy because we want to hear what we want to hear that's negative about somebody else. And so, in effect, by being willing to agree in hearing this conversation, we are actually, in a sense, a spiritual sense, almost conspiring against other people without evidence. It's a very dangerous thing. It destroys relationships. It destroys our ability to get along and to trust one another. Trust is hard enough to gain and to maintain, let alone carry on with nefarious kinds of conniving and conspiring and confederating together and colluding As Christians, we have a very, very high expectation from God. God would not want us to even come close to colluding, to conspiring, to making secret plots or plans together against someone. Unless, of course, it was so dangerous to the group. Eric Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, rather, got involved in such a conspiracy against Hitler. He was willing to take the risk, realizing that the intended results from Hitler, if something didn't intervene, could be disastrous to millions in the entire earth. He lost his life as a result. He was hung just before World War II was concluded. So as we talk about this matter of uh, censorship and conniving and conspiring, confederating, colluding, and conspiracy theories, we need to understand that there is much going on in our world today that we need to be sensitive to. There are those who will use the term conspiracy theory in order to silence legitimate conversation. We have a lot of that. The cancel culture is all part of a new kind of, almost a kind of conspiracy theory and conniving and conspiring together to destroy legitimacy, to destroy reasonable thinking. You and I, as professing followers of Jesus Christ, are called 
to discernment. We must be discerning no matter what. Now, one way that we can become discerning is to spend some time in the Word of God. If God elevated His Word above His own name, don't you think we ought to do that too? So why is it so many Christians don't do that? Why is it that we rely upon our natural senses, our feelings, more than we rely upon the function and substance of our faith in the Word of God? Jesus said, if you'll continue in my word, you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So why don't we continue in his word? I want you to think about that. Now, when we get back, we're going to take a look from the, uh, through the eyes of a special guest, Scott Shea, who has written a book called Conspiracy U, Conspiracy University. And... Uh, It's a case study, very unusual, very different than what we're talking about here. The applications are the same. We'll be right back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chrismeyer. Our special guest today is joining us. We'll be welcoming him in in just a moment with his book, Conspiracy U, a case study concerning a famous American university and what's going on there uh, as an illustration of what's happening elsewhere throughout American higher education. It's Northwestern University. Our special guest, alma mater, which he says is a jewel of American academia, has enabled some of his professors, though, to openly promote conspiracy theories. These conspiracy theories are the direct descendants of far-left or far-right conspiracy theories that should have been discredited long ago, he says. Sadly, many academics can no longer even identify conspiracy theories. Professorial proponents insist that far from being conspiracy theorists, they are brave truth tellers. Conspiracy theories, he says, are tightly linked to political propaganda and totalitarian ideologies and usually demonize certain groups. And they're being peddled at Northwestern University, an institution that in principle is committed to the highest academic standards, but that's not all. I want you to understand as a foundation for our conversation here today with Scott Shea, he is in, informing us of the motto of Northwestern University. It comes from Philippians 4.8, a passage that my dear mother taught us kids when we were 
in our early childhood. Here it is. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. You say, well, why in the world would he want to use that if indeed Northwestern University is sponsoring and encouraging professors to openly promote conspiracy theories? That's exactly the point. Maybe it's crass hypocrisy. So, joining us today, Scott Shea with his book, Conspiracy You. Scott, it's good to have you on the program. It is great to be here. Thank you and a privilege to be with you. Well, I'll tell you, just so you know, uh, we spent the first half hour of the program talking about a number of words uh, that have uh, somewhat familiar and similar kinds of uh, implications. Connive, conspire, confederate, collude, coupled with censorship, and conspiracy theory. It seems that we are living in a time that just seems to foster and foment more than ever distruth in order to carry out nefarious agendas. What say you? Yes. So here's the thing, and this is the reason why I spent um, all of my free time for 20 months I have a busy day job, but Mm -hmm. I spent all of my time focused on wrestling down these conspiracy theories that are happening at universities. Mm -hmm. And it is really troubling because here's the thing to understand about a conspiracy theory. You can have, and it comes from exactly what I use as the text, Philippians, uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians, epistle Mm -hmm. to the Philippians 4.8, which is, you are supposed to check things out. You're supposed to look into them. You're mm-hmm. supposed to find what's of good report and bad report. But what you're if you're su- prevented from doing that through uh, censorship? Well, so here's the thing, and this is why, and, and I want to just back up for a second. You can have a theory about a conspiracy. Let's take, for example, you have a theory that, in, that the Wuhan Virology Lab accidentally or purposely mm-hmm. uh, release the COVID-19 virus. Right. Well, what you should do is investigate. Right. Try to go there. Try to get all the facts you can get. Right. Um, make an evaluation, yes, no, or decide, thirdly, that you don't have enough facts to make a determination. All that right. is a theory about a conspiracy. That and examining any potential event is it's totally it's totally consistent with Philippians four eight, you know, looking mm-hmm. into things, looking in what's right, looking in exactly. what's wrong, right. not so having we, a preconceived bias. So we so should seek the truth. Uh, we should always be seek truth uh, truth seekers, particularly if we're professing Christians, and uh, even if you're uh, of the Jewish faith, you should be seeking right. the truth. Hundred percent. Yeah. That's in the Hebrew Scriptures and in the Christian Scriptures. And but can, what if but, so, your ability to seek the truth is intentionally frustrated for nefarious purposes? Well, so here's where I want to take you, is that the problem with conspiracy theories is they're not falsifiable. So they are used by people to take them to places they shouldn't go. The easiest way to hack someone 
is the easiest way to get control of people is by creating a conspiracy theory. Let me give you one that's propagated by a professor at Northwestern University, Arthur Butts. All right. He claims that the Holocaust didn't happen. My father was a Holocaust survivor. Mm. He claims that six million Jews, no, they weren't killed. Maybe there was a little bit of a typhoid outbreak somewhere. He is confronted with facts. There are 10,000 in his book. He, he, he has to deal with the fact, he has to deal with the facts that there are 10,000, not more than 10, more than tens of thousands of documents throughout Europe that detail how the Nazis came up with the with the final so-called final solution, how they carried it out, how they built the concentration camps. There's documentation of the Wannsee Conference in 1942 where the final solution was laid out. Well, he also has to deal with the Corey Ten Booms of the world who were right so, there in the concentration camps and she correct. lost her sister to the very nefarious efforts of uh, Hitler. So he doesn't even think you should listen to any of the, the, the so-called victims, but he's got another problem. What about all the Germans? What about all the Nazis who confessed to committing <laughs> crimes? What about those who confessed to being guards, witnesses, or perpetrators even? All right, but okay, so let's talk so, about Arthur Butts because you and I don't have too much time here. Normally we spend Okay, an so let me hour. be brief. Go ahead. You know, so I'm, I didn't, I thought I had a half hour, so I'll just. Well, I'll you, just, do. Uh, you, oh, you do. You okay, do only have so, a half an hour. Okay, That's so let me just. Here. This is, this is, this is, so what Arthur Butts does is he expands the conspiracy theory around whatever the facts are. So he says these evil money Jews planted forged documents throughout Europe to, <laughs> to create a, a, a paper trail that was never really there. And what about all those people? Well, no, they thought what, those were pure, innocent, hapless Nazis who would, were bamboozled by Jews to confess to crimes against humanity that they would have never thought of committing. All right, so, so why did Hitler commit suicide then? Why, why World War II? Uh, None what? of it makes sense, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> because really it doesn't matter to him because he will um, go around whatever fact you throw at him. And so, that's, that's what a conspiracy theory is. And I show chapter and verse in the book how that's happening throughout universities. Okay, now, when there's a conspiracy theory, usually there is a motivation or a reason behind it that drives the person or group uh, to embrace and promulgate that theory. What is uh, his reason? He hates Jews. Okay. And he says that at heart, he is not a... He, at heart, he claims he doesn't hate Jews, although it's pretty clear he doesn't like them. Mm -hmm. But he says at heart, he's an anti-Zionist. That okay. he thinks that the Jews faked the Holocaust in order to get uh, many dollars, many Deutsche Marks from Germany, and to displant the Palestinians. That is his reason. And most people who create conspiracy theories actually know that they're creating a conspiracy theory, but they're using it to hack, as I was saying in the beginning, other mm -hmm. people and to manipulate them for their purposes. And there's plenty of examples, by the way, in the in the uh, in the in the in the Bible of people using false information to manipulate others. I mean, we could go chap literally chapter and verse. Yeah. But 
So that's happening on the far left. It's on the far right. It's also happening on the far left. And in the book, I give examples of, 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 of books that were published by professors, published by Stanford University Press, Duke University Press, many others, where you can't even understand it unless you buy into the conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. That's how bad it is. Um, so, right, so, so these conspiracy theories actually create what you might call uh, cults. They're, yes. they're theory cults, and uh, they have a doctrine, and they have high priests. Uh, they, they're evangelists of their, uh, of their theory, and uh, you, 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 once you move into it, it's almost impossible to get out of it. It's actually, you're, you're getting to the point that I'd like to, that I do make in the book, which is it's actually idolatry. Um, okay. And because everybody has their own God, King Pharaoh, they park their brains at the door, and they <laughs> listen to whatever truth that the God, King Pharaoh says. And people, and I want to give you a quick two, just this will take 60 seconds how powerful this is. Sure. So people think idolatry is just about bowing down to statues or some quaint Wiccan chants. Mm-hmm. But in, the, in actuality, I can say this from the Hebrew scriptures, the Bible's pretty clear about what idolatry is. And, and it's a set of lies about power and authority. It's about ascribing super authority and superpowers to finite beings, God, King, Pharaohs, or dictators, or Stalins, or Hitlers, and by by making them the the, the 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 avatar, the sole spokesperson for the for the for the idolatrous God. Yeah, that's and true. They use themes like poetry, power of a of a secret army, secret informers, and of course pageantry and myth. And so, how did Stalin? Order a, a quarter, all the kulaks killed, starve a quarter of the Ukraine, send tens of millions of people to the gulag, and nobody questioned him. I mean, in the same thing that Hitler did, Mao did, Stalin, pa, Pol Pot, the Assad family, the Kim family. Sadly, I can go on and on on a all macro right, we're level. We're going to have to pick up on this after the breaks. Hang that sure. in your mind right now. Friends, Got the it. book, Conspiracy You, it's a hardbound book, yours for $25 on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Fascinating case study. We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Welcome 
Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Our special guest this half hour, Scott Shea, with his hardbound book, Conspiracy U, that is university, a case study of what's going on in our universities across America uh, with specific focus on his own alma mater, Northwestern University. And uh, Scott, I had to cut you off there. Do you have the rest of that comment in your mind? Yeah, so certainly. So idolatry is a lot more common, both on a macro level and on a micro level. No and, question. And, then, and how did Charlie Rose and Matt Lauer and Harvey Weinstein get away with what they got away with? Because they set themselves up as idols. You, Charlie Rose was unquestioned and unquestionable at, at CBS. What he said was truth. And it took a lot of people, a lot of work to topple um, to, essentially to topple him as an idol and to topple Harvey Weinstein because Harvey Weinstein had super authority just like he would, he didn't have super authority to invade a country or to kill millions but he did have super authority over people's careers. Well we had and the same thing go way. on with the governorship of New York and his brother in CNN so uh, all of that there are, there are quasi idols out there yep. but uh, you know you're coming from a Jewish perspective Yep. And uh, let me just say to you that according to my understanding of the scriptures going all the way to the end uh, of what we call the New Covenant, the New Testament, there is a counterfeit Christ figure that is going to arise, and he is going to gain his dominion and his authority the very same way. In fact, it is going to be so great and so persuasive that it will defy the uh, discernment of the majority of people on the planet who have already been preconditioned to this kind of cultish adherence, and uh, the the end of that will not be a pretty picture. Right. Um, no, it wouldn't be pretty. And look, in you know, in, in the, the book of Yechezkel, Ezekiel, and the mm-hmm. like, they're also pretty gory visions of uh, <laughs> the end of days. So let me yeah. tell you, Ezekiel and uh, it's not. Uh, it's not for your light reading. Well, I've um, just written two books. Gog, by Gog. The way. What you didn't know, I just finished a, a book in August called Antichrist: How to Identify the Coming Imposter, and I'm now finishing uh, this week the next book called Messiah: Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages, and it's taking us through uh, a vast amount of history, uh, including uh, Jewish history and so on. Uh, we're we're looking at a time that uh, uh, certainly the ancient prophets foretold uh, that is not a pretty picture, and we better learn to be discerning people. I agree with you. We need to learn to be discerning people. We need to learn to tell truths from lies, exactly. which we've lost the ability to do. And that's because what's being taught, we've lost the ability I'm not, we have a boss, but we're losing the ability in universities and academia to, to, to have critical thinkers. And so, you know, G.K. Esther Chesterton said, when people stop believing in God, they'll believe in anything. Mm-hmm. And sadly, he was right, because yeah. people are believing in idolatry. Yeah, they believe anything that is contrary, because they've already set their minds in reprobation against uh, the authority of a creator. And the only thing left is to trust themselves and those like them who seem to be uh, uh, more popular. Well, yes. And look, the, the other sad thing is that 
many people are creating their own gods. And the other thing we know from the Ten Commandments, and we know from other things that created gods are always a problem. And people are creating texts that, you know, in college that are being used and, you know, such as critical theory, which are being treated like revealed texts. As if they're gospel. When they're not. Yeah. Which they're not. But look, you know, the Bible foresaw a lot of this stuff. I mean, in, in, if you go to Kings 2, mm-hmm. chapter 7 and 8, that was the first conspiracy theory on record, where, if you remember, God used it against people, against the Arameans. They were about to destroy the northern kingdom of Israel, and there were only four lepers in sight. So Israel was in a star, uh, it was starving. Israel was, people were eating their babies. Right. People, it was terrible. It was the worst. The horses were emaciated, and yet... God made a few sounds, and of course, the Arameans, not of course, but the Arameans then thought, oh, Israel has hired the king of the Hittites and the Mm -hmm. king of the Egyptians to come against us. And they talked to one another, and if they had just looked at the facts, just had they had sent out scouts and discerned what was actually going to happen, they could have decimated the northern kingdom. But they didn't because they got caught up in a conspiracy theory. So they ran on foot and left everything, all their food, all of their war horses, yep. all of their, 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 everything, their armaments, they just ran on foot because amazing. that's what a conspiracy theory can do to you. It can, and that's it can what's govern, happening today. It can, exactly. It can take over and uh, it, they are taking over and they're happening in so many, many different ways uh, to co-opt truth uh, so that we, so that trust in things that we should be able to trust is completely eroded. Don't you see that as one of the the key problems? It's a very key problem. That's why I wrote this book because, look, it's incumbent upon us. It's incumbent upon I think everyone to try to do their best mm-hmm. to combat this because you know we also. I mean, I think the other way that that that, that there's also you know, a good outcome to the future, which is that we figure out how to create a good place on earth. I mean, in, in, the, in, the, in the Hebrew tradition, in the Jewish tradition, we're supposed to to um, repair the world in the kingdom of, uh, in the, kingdom of right. the Almighty. Tikkun so Olam, we can, yeah. Tikkun Olam. So we can do this too. It doesn't have to be the bad way. It can be the good way. Well, we don't want to find ourselves conspiring against God either, and it's very easy to do that if we trust uh, the flesh. As Jeremiah the prophet said, uh, you know, the arm of uh, flesh will fail you, and uh, it's we're, we're, we're living in those kinds of times. And I want to focus yeah, for just a few minutes on the, uh, the issue of Zionism yep. and anti-Semitism. What we're finding is, and and I did a program just a week or so ago on the massive growth of anti-Semitism and Christian persecution. They're going hand in hand everywhere, all over the world. And uh, what we're finding is that these, at least in the States, are coming from America's universities. Why? Well, look, the the, the Middle East um, are... Really, um, the Middle the, the 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 Middle East is a place where there are many indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been Christian peoples that have lived in the Middle East since um, 
Yeah, 100th year after Paul. And have virtually been eradicated. They've been been virtually eradicated from Iraq, from Syria. 100%. uh, From from places in Persia where they uh, uh, were key uh, citizens. Well, even if you go into Bethlehem, Bethlehem, when I was a student, when I was a student, I went to um, Bethlehem, and it was mostly Christian. And Mm -hmm. today, the only place you can find Christians are in the... Um, are, you know, basically locked in the churches, in the few churches that are exactly. left. Exactly, that's you true. You have the Yazidis who have been going through a, a, um, a, a essentially a genocide. The Coptic Christians in Egypt um, are also, uh, you know, pretty much afraid to do anything. And look, you have these conspiracy theories on the far left, and I show these on the in the book. That's why I spend a lot of time in the book on these, saying that, Israelis, Zionists, by the way, these conspiracy theorists hate Christian Zionists as much as they hate Jewish Zionists. Yes, they do, um, because they feel that the Christian Zionists are the ones that are facilitating the other Zionists they, <laughs> they, they, And they think that Zionists are conspiring with police departments and armies across the world to oppress people of color. No. They make up stuff that is crazy. There's a professor at Rutgers who thinks that any time a Jew does something good, it must be bad, really, somehow. So mm-hmm. she has a theory that when Jews give, when Israelis are giving hospitals uh, emergency medical assistance in, in war in places after disasters like Haiti or whatever, or to Palestinians, she says they really must be harvesting their organs. Unbelievable. And she admits, essentially, that she made it up, but nobody cares. She got a book published again i think this one was by duke university press and it was won an award for best book by the women's studies association all right zionism is just the desire the movement to uh of the jewish people to regain the homeland that that had been promised the meets and bounds of which had been promised to abraham uh and were fulfilled in david uh, pretty much in david and uh so they're desiring the homeland and to fill to bring the Jewish people through Aliyah back to the homeland. Isn't that what Zionism really is? Yeah, you're 100% nailed it. And not only that, it's just the it's just the right to self-determination like every people should have. Exactly. And Jews have lived in the land of Israel, in the in the Holy Land, as we call it, the Eretz Nifchir, the Promised Land, mm-hmm. um, for 3,000 years. Even if you forget about the Bible, just look at the the Merpita steel, and you look at documentations from archaeology. All right, the Jews have been living there three thousand years, and you would, if you read these college professors, you would think that Jews were born in Russia and parachuted into into <laughs> into into Israel to displace people in 1948. Well, it you, shows it's unbelievable. The, it shows the historic antipathy toward people who God chose. Uh, to put his name there, and it is uh, manifest envy. That's what it is. Anti-Semitism is just envy under a uh, a social term that's been accepted, and uh, <clears throat> envy is a very, very dangerous thing. Envy is what crucified Jesus. Envy is what uh, put Joseph uh, in the pit and yeah. sent him to Egypt by his brothers. Envy is a very, very serious thing. Haman was Haman. I mean, you can go on and on. And also, um, I would say to you that anti-Semitism is also 
stems deeply from idolatry mm-hmm. in that if you're an idolater, you're always certain there could be a bigger God around. Mm-hmm. And who is the biggest God? The God of Abraham. And so there's a distinct hate for that God yeah. that has been through, that seems to permeate throughout different civilizations that have an idolatrous aspect to them. Hitler was an idolater and he was, he, believed in, you know, this sort of Aryan nation thing. And, right. and, and that was, it, it caused him to hate Jews more so much that it hurt his war effort. Thank God he didn't, he didn't succeed or else there would be no Jews in the world. True. Now there's, there's one aspect. Or Christians. Yeah, right. There's one aspect that we haven't gotten to and it, it unfortunately creates confusion uh, for those both on the far right and the far left who are, uh, conspiratorial anti-Zionists, and that is within the Jewish community itself. There are rabid anti-Zionists. The Hasidim, the Hasidic There's a community. few. There's a few. I mean, you know. So here's the thing: there are not many, and I and I do this in the book. I go through some of them. There, the, whatever survey you look at, there's a a tiny, tiny minority. Mm-hmm. I mean, I also show. There's a tiny, tiny minority of Jews who believe who believe, were Holocaust deniers. There's a tiny minority I can take you of Christians who believe strange things. In other words, <laughs> you're always going to have in Yiddish meshuganas. You're going to have crazy people. And <laughs> give me, give, give us that good Hebrew name again. It's Yiddish for meshugana. Meshugana. Ah, meshugana. Remember it's that. Meshugana. Yeah, <laughs> and they are meshuganas. And uh, and but in all candor, you had the leader of the um, some of the leaders of the um, of the um, uh, when uh, during the Middle Ages of the Inquisition were uh, converted Jews and um, and some other unfortunately rabid anti-Semites were converted Jews. And unfortunately, these folks in for with, you know, Jewish Voice for Peace, which is um, are essentially converted Jews who are spewing some of the theories that they have are unbelievable. There's a special place in hell for them. Wow. Okay, friends, uh, we could go on for hours with Scott here. His book, Conspiracy You, a case study. It's a hardbound book, uh, $28 book, yours for $25 on our website, saveus.org. Saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. Do it today. Become a partner with us. We're attempting to rebuild the foundations of faith and freedom. God bless and be a blessing. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck. God Kirsten. bless you. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint.